Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, January 19th. I'm Teresa Watson. And I'm Leslie Palma. Thanks for joining us this evening. As you're watching this, we have just gotten back from the March for Life in DC. We flew out yesterday, so we had to tape our show early this week. If we miss any abortion-related news, we'll be sure to report it next week. State legislatures have begun their 2024 sessions, and some of them already have seen the introduction of pro-life bills. We'll give you the rundown. New York State is not only friendly to abortion, but it's also hostile to adoption. I'll tell you more and also explain why a federal judge's decision to allow three states to join a lawsuit against the abortion pill Mifepristone is so important. I'll report on the Iowa caucus and former President Donald Trump's record-setting win, and I'll tell you which Republicans have dropped out of the race for the presidential nomination. Last week, we invited you to meet us at the March for Life in D.C., and tonight we'll tell you how to catch up to Priests for Life National Director Frank Pavone at tomorrow's Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco. Please stay tuned to the end when we will share a clip of one of Frank Pavone's most powerful messages. Legislatures in 37 states convened this month, and some of those that have already gaveled in have seen the introduction of bills to increase existing protections for babies in the womb. Here's a look at some of the pro-life bills percolating in the states. In Kansas, five Republican lawmakers have reintroduced a bill that would protect nearly all babies from abortion, except those necessary to save the life of the mother. Almost a year ago, the Kansas Supreme Court heard oral arguments to consider exactly how far the Republican-controlled legislature can go in restricting abortion under a 2019 decision protecting abortion rights. Abortion remains legal in Kansas through 21 weeks. As we reported last week, Florida Republican Representative David Barrero introduced House Bill 1519, which says a person or an entity may not purposely perform or attempt to perform an abortion except to save the life of a pregnant woman who is in medical emergency. Right now, Florida bans most abortions after 15 weeks, and a heartbeat bill is already signed and awaiting a ruling from the state Supreme Court that could allow it to be enacted. In Kentucky, House Bill 243, filed by two Republicans, would allow mothers to collect child support payments from fathers before the child is born. Planned Parenthood is asking its supporters to call their legislators to oppose the bill. Most babies are protected from abortion in Kentucky. In Virginia, where pro-abortion Democrats dominate both chambers, two Republicans are trying to reduce abortions in the state by promoting adoption. Bills introduced in the House of Delegates and Senate would create a $4,000 tax credit for individuals or married couples who finalize a legal non-family adoption from 2024 to 2028. Abortion is legal in Virginia through 26 weeks. While Democrats in New Hampshire are busy filing bills to guarantee more abortion, Republicans submitted a bill that would protect babies after 15 weeks. Currently, abortion is legal until 24 weeks. On the federal level, the U.S. House of Representatives scheduled votes this week on two pro-life bills. House Bill 6914, introduced by Iowa Republican Congresswoman Ashley Hinson, would ensure that pregnant college students know the Title IX protections designed to help them carry their babies to term, including modified class schedules and excused absence. The bill would require universities to tell students how to file complaints with the Education Department if their rights have been violated. 
The second pro-life bill, House Bill 6918, responds to a proposed rule change in the Department of Health and Human Services that would cut off federal funding to pregnancy resource centers. If passed, the bill would keep federal dollars flowing to the centers while halting another Biden administration scheme to increase abortion in the U.S. At the top of political news this week, former President Donald Trump scored a record-setting win in the Iowa caucuses on Monday, with his rivals languishing far behind, a victory that affirmed his grip on the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. In what was the lowest turnout caucus in a quarter century, participants endured life-threatening cold and dangerous driving conditions to meet in hundreds of schools, churches, and community centers across the state. But those who ventured out delivered a roughly 30-point win for Trump that smashed the record for a contested Iowa Republican caucus, with a margin of victory exceeding Bob Dole's nearly 13 percentage point victory in 1988. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis finished a distant second, just ahead of former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. The results left Trump with a tighter grip on the GOP nomination, though it could take several more months for anyone to formally become the party's standard bearer. The magnitude of Trump's victory, however, posed significant questions for both DeSantis and Haley. Neither candidate appeared poised to exit the race, though they leave Iowa struggling to claim making much progress in trying to become Trump's strongest challenger. Having repeatedly vowed vengeance against his political opponents in recent months, Trump offered a message of unity in his victory speech. We want to come together, whether it's Republican or Democrat, or liberal or conservative, he said. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon. After finishing a distant fourth, Vivek Ramaswamy suspended his bid for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination and endorsed former President Donald Trump. Ramaswamy told supporters gathered at Des Moines Hotel that Trump will have my full endorsement for the presidency. A poll Monday found former President Trump had gained support since last fall among California Republicans for the party's 2024 presidential nomination, which under new party rules could deliver him the state's entire hall of delegates. The poll by the Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies found support among likely California Republican voters for Trump's 2024 presidential bid has risen to 66% from 57% in the Institute's last poll on the question in late October, with none of his rivals for the nomination anywhere close. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson announced Tuesday he would suspend his presidential campaign, concluded a beleaguered effort to offer Republicans an anti-Donald Trump option after Trump dominated the Iowa caucuses and Hutchinson performed below where he was polling. Hutchinson, 73, never gained traction with Republican voters, who mostly backed the former president and rejected Hutchinson's argument that Trump was ill-suited to lead the party given his legal troubles. My message of being a principled Republican with experience in telling the truth about the current frontrunner did not sell in Iowa, Hutchinson said in a statement. I stand by the campaign I ran, I answered every question, sounded the warning to the GOP about the risks in 2024, and presented hope for our country's future. And that's political news in a nutshell. New York State has spent millions of dollars encouraging mothers from out of state to come to New York if they want an abortion, but the state is discouraging those same women from making adoption plans for their babies with families in the Empire State. The New York Post reported that the state's Office of Children and Family Services has reminded adoptive, adoptive families of its rule that limits the financial support they can provide to out-of-state birth mothers. 
Financial support can only begin 60 days before the mom's due date and must end 30 days after the baby's birth. The Office of Children and Family Services sent a memo January 5th reminding adoptive families and attorneys that the rule is in force. Veteran adoption attorney Lisa Goldberg said the rule places would-be New York parents at a disadvantage. Why would a birth mother pick you if you're limited in how much you can assist her, Goldberg said in the Post article. A federal judge in Texas has ruled that Idaho, Kansas, and Missouri have the right to join a lawsuit currently before the U.S. Supreme Court that could curtail the use of the abortion drug mifepristone. What that means is that if the court finds the original plaintiffs in the suit against the FDA have no standing, the states could try to make the case that they have standing. The three states, which all have laws in force that protect most babies from abortion, sought to join the case before their residents had obtained mifepristone elsewhere or received it illegally in the mail, leaving state-funded hospitals to deal with the frequent complications resulting from chemical abortions. The Illinois Department of Public Health is reporting that abortions in the state topped 56,000 in 2022, the highest number in 25 years. Nearly 17,000 mothers travel to Illinois from other states to abort their children, compared to 11,300 in 2021. Planned Parenthood facilities have seen a 54% increase in in-state and out-of-state patients since Roe v. Wade was overturned, but apparently that's not enough for the nation's number one abortion seller. A new Planned Parenthood just opened in Carbondale, Illinois, close to both the Missouri and Tennessee state lines. Both states have laws protecting most babies from abortion. More than 1,000 people marched in favor of parental rights in Fontana, California on Saturday. The group opposes school district policies that allow their children to leave school for abortions without their knowledge, as well as a policy that lets children pretend to be the opposite sex while at school. A.J. Hurley from the pro-life group White Rose Resistance spoke at the rally, and his organization has accused the Fontana Unified School District Board and Planned Parenthood with collaborating to keep parents in the dark about what goes on in their children's schools. In a related matter, Planned Parenthood is suing the city of Fontana after the city council refused to allow the abortion business to build a new killing center there. A hearing on the suit is scheduled for February. The Massachusetts Health Department has threatened disciplinary action against pregnancy care centers that offer abortion pill reversal to save babies once their moms have begun a chemical abortion. Physicians and nurses who provide progesterone treatments to counteract the abortion pill mifepristone could face disciplinary measures, including the loss of their licenses. Abortion pill reversal has saved 4,500 babies in the United States. Senate Democrats on Wednesday held a briefing on the state of abortion in the U.S. and called for passage of the Women's Health Protection Act, an extreme bill that would eliminate every protection for the unborn, their mothers, and health care workers. The bill failed to get the necessary 60 votes in the Senate in 2022 and was not brought to the floor for a vote in 2023. In a letter, six female senators, most of them mothers themselves, said Senate Democrats will keep fighting at every turn to make certain every American understands why we need to restore Roe and protect every woman's right to an abortion. And finally, two new polls should be encouraging to pro-lifers. A survey conducted by Students for Life and YouGov found that 60% of young voters favor some sort of limits on abortion. Half of respondents said abortion should be restricted to either the first trimester or at four months. Asked which most closely resembled their view on abortion limits, 37% supported protecting babies either at conception or when a heartbeat can be detected, while 15% would limit abortion to the first 12 weeks and 7% said they would allow it until four months. Only 25% agree with the Democrats' stance of abortion throughout nine months, and only 9% agree with Democrats who voted against a bill to provide life-saving care to a baby who survives abortion. The second poll deals with sidewalk counselors, who are the last line of defense outside abortion businesses before a woman makes the irrevocable choice for abortion. 
For decades, cities and states have been trying to keep these vital pro-life counselors away from mothers. But a new survey from the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty found that a majority of Americans, 62%, say governments should not be allowed to bar pro-life counselors from sidewalks outside abortion mills. Just 38% of respondents said counselors should be prohibited from approaching abortion-minded women, proving once again that abortion advocates are not interested in choice. And that's Abortion in the News. 2024 marks the 20th anniversary of the Walk for Life West Coast. 20 years of standing for the smallest and most vulnerable among us and 20 years of fearlessly asserting that abortion hurts women. While we are challenged and called to greater efforts by the post-Dobbs defeat of some pro-life efforts around the country, at the same time we are transcendently encouraged and elated by the fact that at least 32,000 lives have been saved and that 14 states now protect babies from abortion. For the past 20 years, attendees have peaceably protested abortion by walking through the streets of San Francisco. Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, has been attending the walk for 19 consecutive years. He will once again be attending and participating in several events surrounding the walk. If you are in San Francisco, we hope you will join Frank Pavone at the Planned Parenthood protest from 8 to 9 a.m. at 1522 Bush Street near Van Ness Avenue. Pavone will speak along with other pro-life leaders. From Planned Parenthood, Pavone will head to the Plaza of St. Mary's Cathedral at 111 Go Street. He will be greeting and talking with attendees prior to the 9.30 Walk for Life Mass. At 10.45 to 12.15, Pavone, who is also the pastoral director of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, will address the crowd and lead the members of Silent No More as they share testimonies of the pain that follows abortion and the healing that is available. This will take place at the Civic Center Plaza, 115 McAllister Street, which is the same location as the Walk for Life rally that begins at 12.30. The Walk for Life begins at 1.30 p.m. We hope if you are in San Francisco that you will join in these events and be sure to say hello to Frank Pavone. He loves taking pictures and saying hi to you all. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priest for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on X at Pro-Life News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. We hope you will enjoy this segment of one of Frank Pavone's most powerful messages delivered at the 2013 National Prayer Service. And remember, life is the only choice. But you know what? When you and I take up this call and we talk about abortion, if we speak about it in church, we're told we're too political. If we speak about it in the political arena, we're told we're too religious. If we speak about it in the world of the media, it's too disturbing. In the world of business, it's too distracting. In the world of education, it's too controversial. In the streets, it's too disruptive. So abortion, if abortion is wrong, where do we go to say so? We go into the churches, we go into politics, into the media, into business, into education, and into the streets. Some churches, some churches haven't wanted, got, wanted to get involved in political hassles with the government. 
So they've been silent on abortion. They didn't want to get involved in hassles from the government. They didn't want to take the fight to the government. So now with the HHS mandate, the government took the fight to them. And when it comes to that mandate, we've got a simple message for this administration. We will obey God rather than men. As Alveda can tell us, her uncle said one day to the civil rights movement, we've got a lot of obstacles in our way, but we're not going to let anything turn us around. We're not going to let no dogs turn us around, no water hoses turn us around, no police clubs or jail sentences, and we're not going to let any injunctions turn us around. And so today I say to you, in the pro-life movement, no Planned Parenthood is going to turn us around. No biased media is going to turn us around. No HHS mandate is going to turn us around. No Obama administration is going to turn us around. And we must do this in unity. This is Father David Begany, a priest for life, and today I'd like to say a prayer of reparation for the victims of abortion. God and Father of life, you have created every human person and have opened the way for each to have eternal life. We live in the shadow of death. Over 65 and a half million of your children were killed thanks to the Roe versus Wade decision that legalized abortion. We thank you, Father, that Roe has been reversed. We ask that you continue to have mercy on us heal our land, and accept our offering of prayer and penance. And your love for us, turn back the scourge of abortion. May each of us exult in hearts full of hope and hands full of mercy, and work together to build a culture of life. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.